Well, if you have a Bible with me, I encourage you, uh, sorry, if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you um, to turn to Acts 3, um, and we'll be reading through right the chapter from verse 1 uh, all the way through to 26. This is the word of God. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they lay, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with the wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is free, Jesus, has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn your back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, 
sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Amen. We thank God for his word. Thank you to Joel for reading that for us. Thank you to the, the girls who have led us so ably in our praise and worship of God. As was said, my name's Trevor, uh, and I'm the minister in Glenwary Presbyterian Church, was formerly the assistant here in uh, First Poor Down. It's great to be with you tonight. You're very lucky. Whenever I was in CE as a wee boy, we're going back a few years now, whenever I was in CE as a wee boy, there were three people there. There were two of them who were there because their mum or dad was a leader, and there was me, and I was there because you got free sweets. So hopefully, Gilly... We can keep that going tonight. I'm hoping for a wee packet of something whenever I'm going out. Is that okay? Perfect. There you go. Finally, you may get free sweets, but I do. That's the, the advantage. I wonder, any of you tonight who have brothers and sisters will be familiar with this? You go up to your brother or sister's room, and you don't take any joy in this. You don't take any pleasure in it. But you go up to your brother and sister's room, and you say, Mom says, or Dad says, Barry, mum says that if you don't get off that phone now and get your homework done, then I'm going to shred it. Ian, dad says that if you don't get off that phone now, I'm going to take it and put it under the lawnmower. You're speaking on behalf of your mother or your father. You're given a message, but it doesn't come from you, does it? It doesn't come with your power. It doesn't come with your authority, but it comes from the authority of your mum and dad. Your brother or sister don't have to do what you tell them to do because you say. Your brother or sister have to do what you say because your mum or dad says. And as we come to this passage tonight in Acts chapter 3, we're thinking about this whole idea of Jesus' power. But we notice tonight that it's not Jesus, in a sense, exercising his power himself. But it's the apostles exercising the power on behalf of Jesus. That they come with this message, they come with this word from God, and it comes with power, and it comes with authority, because it comes from Jesus himself. The people who bring the message aren't Jesus. The people who bring the message aren't the Christ, but they speak on behalf of Jesus, and so the message comes with power and authority. They speak to this crippled man, and they heal him. They use what's called a transfer authority, an authority that comes from Christ. We want to think about three things tonight, see three things in this passage here in Acts chapter 3. Firstly, we're going to see the power of Jesus to heal. Secondly, we're going to see the power of men to reject. But then thirdly and wonderfully, we're going to see the power of Jesus to forgive. And if you listen to nothing else tonight, listen to that last section where we think about the power of Jesus to forgive our sins. So firstly then we see the power of Jesus to heal. The scene set for us there in verse 1. Everything's about to take place is framed by what we read in verse 1. That Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were going to the temple to do their religious duty. They were coming to see on a Saturday night. They were on their way and they meet this man. Verse 2. This man who's lame from birth being carried by his friends. They laid him every day at this gate. And as people walked by, they would throw him whatever money they had. They would give him whatever change that they had. And that was his way of making a living. That was his way of surviving. He lay there dependent on the mercy and grace of others to sustain him. To give him all that he needed. 
when I lived in, in Portadown, you would quite often walk under the bridge just down the road there. And there might be a man there sleeping rough. It's the same idea. He's dependent on your grace. He's dependent on your charity. He's dependent on whatever you give him to sustain him, to keep him going. But notice that this man had been lame for birth. This, this wasn't some kind of terrible accident that had happened to him. He hadn't been injured in an industrial accident. He hadn't suffered some sort of terrible virus. No, he'd been lame from birth. And it's designed to show us how great the miracle that God's about to perform is, how great the thing that God's about to do is. This man had never walked. He'd never known what it was to walk. And yet God's about to heal him. Jesus is about to do something for him. Peter and John are on their way and the man sees them and asks them for some spare change. Look, help me out here, he says. Can't you see that I'm struggling? Can't you see that I've got nothing? Can't you see that I can't do anything for myself? Please, just give me whatever you have. Anything. Anything at all. Now, I wonder what you do in that situation. What might you be tempted to do in that situation? You, know, you might be tempted to get your phone out and pretend that you're on the phone to someone and that you can't really engage with them. You might be tempted just to, to shut it out altogether, just look the other way and pretend that it doesn't exist. Maybe the same thought was in Peter and John's heart, but they didn't do that. Most people probably ignore the problem, but Peter and John stop and they look at the man. They engage in a conversation with him. Look at us, they say. People probably usually just threw this man the money and they walked on. He wasn't really worth dealing with. He wasn't really worth spending time on. He wasn't worth getting to know because after all, he was a poor beggar. After all, he was a lame man who couldn't offer them anything. But Peter and John stopped to talk to him. They called to follow Christ. They called to be a disciple of Jesus is to look out for and interact with those whose society might not value, who those whose society might not engage with. Let's say you're in school on Monday morning. You're probably not actually in school on Monday morning. Is it half term? Raging. But there's this kid, and every school has a kid like this. They're a little bit different. They're just wired a little bit differently. And everyone else in school just makes fun of them. Everyone else in school just ignores them. Everyone else in school just kind of picks on them a little bit. And the temptation for us is to join in, isn't it? The temptation for us is to do the same thing that everybody else does. The temptation for us is to join in with a mocking and to join in with a making fun of them. But the call to follow Jesus is a call to identify and stick with those whose society might reject and cast out. To not just walk on by to not just ignore the problem and pretend that it doesn't exist, but to help. And the man thinks, verse 5, he thinks his lucky days come. He thinks there's going to be something good coming here. I'm about to get something worthwhile. These men want to talk to me. But Peter bursts his bubble and says, look, I don't have any money. I don't have any gold. I don't have any silver. I don't have anything that is of worth to you in a physical sense. But what I do have is yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, he says, rise and walk. 
And immediately the man's ankles are strengthened and immediately he can walk. He goes on his way to the temple, verse 8, we're told, walking and leaping and praising God. Now let's use our imaginations here for a minute. Let's think about this. You're in the temple. You've walked past this guy on the way in. You've seen him lying there with his begging bowl out. You've seen him needing money off everyone else. You're doing your prayers in the temple and suddenly there's this commotion. Suddenly there's this noise. And there's the man walking and leaping, praising God. You're thinking, that's the guy I just saw. That's the guy who's lying outside. That's the guy who can't walk. And you begin to question, well, what even has happened here? We're told that all the people in the temple, all those who were there to worship God, were filled with awe. And they're amazed. Now what we see here is the power of Jesus to heal. The power of Jesus to make well. And that's a power that's still at work today. We call countless times that Jesus has healed people. That God working through the power of the Holy Spirit, God working through medicine and doctors has miraculously healed people. The power of Jesus to heal is still active today. Now it's important to say that it doesn't always happen. It's important to say tonight that just because you know Jesus doesn't mean that life will be easy. Doesn't mean that granny or granda will never get sick. It doesn't mean that you'll never get sick. But we do have that hope tonight. And that assurance tonight in the power of Jesus to heal. Secondly then, though, we want to see the power of men to reject. The power of men to reject. And we see that in verses 11 through 16. So there's been this coming together. There's been this noise, this commotion. And Peter and John gather everyone around them. They want everyone to hear what it is that Jesus has just done. I'm sure it's the same in school today, but in my day at school, if you wanted to gather a crowd, you would clap your hands and you'd chant, fight, 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 fight. And everybody would come rushing. Everyone would come to see what it was that was going on. You know, the teachers always came as well and broke up the fight very quickly. So maybe that was part of it as well. Everyone hears in the Bible here. Everyone hears this clamor. Everyone hears this din. Everyone hears this noise and commotion. And they think, what's going on? What's all the fuss about? And they see the man healed and well. And Peter takes the chance to preach to them, verse 12, and says, look, I didn't do this by my own power. I didn't do this by my own strength. It wasn't because I'm such a good person that I was able to do this, but it was because God was with us. It was the power of God that made this man walk. I don't know you all tonight, But for some of us, the danger might be that we think we're the show. That we think we're the attraction. That we're gathering here tonight and we think actually God would be pretty lucky to have us on his team. God knows all the attributes that I have. God knows all the strengths that I have. And actually God would be pretty lucky to have me on his side. And that might be the case. God might well do great things through us. God might do well do great things with us. But it's because he's a great and powerful God, not because we're great and powerful. It's because he's a good and gracious God, not because we're great people. 
We are never the source of power. We're never the source of goodness. Only God is. And what is the power of God? Well, it's displayed, verse 13. Peter says this, look, how did God show his power? How did God show his greatness? He sent Jesus. And you guys killed him. He sent the son, the perfect son of God, and you put him to death. You rejected him. He showed up doing miracles, even greater miracles than this. He raised a man from the dead, and you rejected him. He fed 5,000 people with just a little boy's packed lunch, and you rejected him. He came and he showed us God, and you rejected him. Pilate tried to let him go. Tried to release him, but you wanted a murderer released to you instead. But this forces us to ask the question tonight, who is Jesus to us? What are we going to do with Jesus tonight? You see, it's easy to sit here and talk about Jesus. It's easy to sit here and listen for 20 minutes to talk about Jesus, to be comfortable with religious things. But the problem for us comes that we either accept Christ as Lord and King of our whole life, or we reject them. That he either rules and reigns over our whole life, or he doesn't rule and reign at all. You see, you can't be a part-time Christian tonight. You can't be a part-time disciple tonight, a part-time follower of Jesus tonight. You know, Christianity has to be something that's more than just a thing for a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. It demands everything of us. It demands full-time commitment from us. Either we accept Jesus as Peter and John did or we reject him like the religious people did. But maybe their question in your mind then becomes, well, why is it worth accepting Jesus tonight? Why is it worth being a follower of Jesus tonight? Why is it worth all the risk that you have to take? Well, Peter says, because verse 15, God has raised him from the dead. Despite the fact that religious leaders put him to death, despite the fact that religious leaders asked for Barabbas to be freed, despite the fact that the religious leaders did their best to put an end to Jesus, God raised him from the dead. And more than that, he says to them, and you guys know it, because this man's standing here. The healing of this man proves the power and authority of Christ. You see, Jesus doesn't just have power over sickness. Jesus has power over death itself. He doesn't just have power over illness, but he has power over death itself. And that's why he's worth accepting. That's why he's worth following, because he has defeated death. God's goodness to us this evening means that we aren't just robots. You know, we're not just programmed like an electronic hoover to come out and do whatever it is that we need to do and then go back. God's goodness to us tonight means that we have the power to decide what we want to do with Jesus. That we have the power to think who he is to us and for us. Do we accept him or do we reject him? Thirdly, finally, we want to see the power of Jesus to forgive. We see verse 17, Peter says to them, look, I know you guys acted in ignorance. 
I know you didn't know what you were doing. I know you didn't fully understand what it was that you were doing. But God knew. And more than that, God foretold. God warned through the mouths of the prophets that Jesus would suffer and die. And now Peter says there's no more excuses. And there's no more excuses tonight. You can't claim tonight that you don't know who Jesus is. You can't claim tonight that you don't know the demands that Jesus makes of you. You can accept them or you can reject them, but you can't claim that you don't know. Therefore, Peter says, verse 19, repent and turn that your sins might be blotted out. Repent isn't a word that we use very much anymore, is it? But it means to turn around. It means to go back from going one way and start going a completely different way. I was coming here tonight uh, and I'd got about two, three miles from uh, my house and realized I'd forgotten my Bible, which is a pretty serious blunder, to be quite honest with you. But at that point, then you're faced with a choice, aren't you? Because I can keep going and get here on time. Or I can turn around and I can go and get what it is that I need and go back to my original destination. And that's what it means to repent. It's this idea of turning around, of stopping going one way and going another way. You see, each of us tonight, each and every one of us tonight, has a desire to live our own way. None of us like someone telling us how to live. None of us like someone telling us what to do, be it our parents, be it teachers, be it football, rugby coaches, whatever it is. No one likes being told what to do. We all want to go our own way. We all want to do our own thing. But the call of Peter is the call to you tonight to repent, to turn from going your own way, to turn from following your own heart and turn again to come and know God. But that's the power that Jesus has tonight to forgive our sin, to cleanse our sin, to bring us back to God, to forgive us for all those times when we go our own way, to forgive us for all those times whenever we do our own thing, and to make us right with God. You see, there's lots of ways that Jesus is powerful tonight. Lots of ways that Jesus can help us tonight. There's lots of ways that Jesus can heal us tonight. But if you don't know the power that Jesus has to forgive your sin, if you don't know the power that Jesus has to bring you into right relationship with God, then you're missing out on his real power. You're missing out on his real strength. Jesus came so that we might know God. Jesus came so the barrier that existed between us and God could be bridged. And if we don't know that power, then we're missing out tonight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the power of Jesus. We thank you that he is the one who can heal our bodies. But most of all tonight, Heavenly Father, we thank you that he is the one who has healed our soul from sin. That he is the one who brings us back to you. We pray tonight, Father, you would help us to repent, help us to live lives that are worthy of the calling of Christ and go before us now and continue with us, we ask. In Jesus' name.